You're listening to the Prof. Joe COVID-19 Aged Care Podcast. If you're an aged care professional, you can connect with us at the Prof. Joe COVID-19 Aged Care Facebook group. Otherwise, you can connect with us at our regular page at Prof. Joe Online. You can also visit our website at profjoe.com.au for a collection of all our links. Also, feel free to email us at info at profjoe.com.au. Welcome. Lockdown now, lockdown hard. Of the small number of people that have died in Australia from COVID-19 so far, a significant proportion of those have been from aged care homes. Prime Minister has already announced a so-called lockdown of residents of aged care, whereby residents are only able to have one visit per day of no more than two people. Though they have asked for cases to be managed compassionately, especially when it relates to end-of-life situations, palliative care and dementia units. According to the federal government's advice on the visiting restrictions, visits should be limited to a short duration, to a maximum of two visitors at a time. These may be immediate social supports, including family members, close friends, or professional service or advocacy. Visits by children 16 years and under will not generally be permitted, except for exemptions that can be assessed on a case-by-case basis, for example, where the resident is in palliative care. Visits will be conducted in a resident's room, outdoors or in a specific area designated by the facility rather than communal areas where the risk of transmission to residents is greater. No large groups, visits or gatherings, including social activities or entertainment, will be permitted. No school groups of any size are allowed to visit and visitors will be encouraged to maintain social distancing of 1.5 metres. Though everyone seems to have pretty unanimously welcomed this level of restriction, some of Australia's largest aged care homes have gone beyond the government's advice and put a blanket ban on all visits, with the exception only for people in palliative care, in a so-called voluntary lockdown. Ality, Estia, Regis, Opal and Japara, which account for 300 facilities together, have banned all except essential visits. Japara described its move as a two-week voluntary lockdown. Some of those facilities are facilitating video calls. ArcCare, Catholic Healthcare, Hall and Pryor and St Basil's, according to reports in the ABC and The Age, have followed much the same way. Another major provider, Bupa, seems to have landed in the middle, limiting visits to one per day in line with the government's position, limiting those visits to a single family member per day. Some have commended these so-called voluntary bans. Talking to the ABC, Australian Nursing and Midwifery Federation Assistant Federal Secretary Laurie-Anne Sharp said she believed banning these visits could save lives. But not everybody is in agreement because a total lockdown means depriving residents of all external social contact with family members. And we already know from the research how important those visits can be to avoid loneliness and to improve quality of life. In an article in The Guardian Australia, CODA Chief Executive Ian Yates said, We are concerned about blanket bans and indeed some providers using the term lockdown. There is not a need for them to do that if they are putting in place appropriate clinical safety measures. He went further to say, we are hearing stories of complete lockouts of families without notice and that is not acceptable, it's not respectable. Yates pointed out the damage involved with isolating residents and locking them out on the care provided by their loved ones. In the same article, he said, we've given the example of a spouse who comes daily to assist a dementing partner. That person is not only providing calm and spending time with their loved one, in many cases, they are assisting with feeding and basic care. That same article quoted a heartbreaking story from the daughter, Catherine Alsop, of an elderly resident. She said, I took the day off work and went down because I thought, who knows when I'm going to see him again. If coronavirus did get in there, it could be the last day I could ever see him. It's a lot to take in. 
So we're stuck here in a very difficult situation. Between locking down strongly to offer as absolute protection as we can from coronavirus outbreak and isolating residents and families from each other, knowing full well the damage that can do to the quality of life of the resident and the emotional well-being of the relatives. We know the risk is high, but the government is telling us that single visits are okay. We don't have direct information to know for sure that a total ban right now is not an overreaction. So why then are we in this podcast advocating for as complete a lockdown as possible right now? To answer that question, we need to look at one more vital bit of information. We need to look to Europe. Many of you have no doubt been following the stories out of Spain this week. To put this in context, Spain is a place known for its pride for being a tight-knit society that respects parents and grandparents. In the 2019 edition of the Bloomberg Healthiest Country Index, Spain ranked first place amongst 169 countries on economical measures that are the measures that are thought to contribute to overall health and well-being. Meaning, according to Bloomberg, Spain was rated the world's healthiest country. Last week, Spain picked up a less positive title. Spain became the country that surpassed China to become the country with the second highest confirmed deaths from COVID-19, which stands at 3,647 today, with Italy at 7,503 and China at 3,163. Spain is only second to Italy now when it comes to COVID-19 deaths. I repeat, last year, this was Bloomberg's healthiest country, according to the Healthiest Country Index. As the New York Times reported, Even in a country besieged by the coronavirus epidemic, where the death toll overtook China's on Wednesday, the news this week about Spain's nursing home has come as a particular shock. Soldiers who were sent to disinfect nursing homes had found people completely abandoned or even dead in their beds, the Defence Secretary Margarita Robles revealed on Monday. More gruesome discoveries followed, including the revelation of two dozen deaths in a single nursing home in Madrid. Amid the thousands of tragedies created by the virus, the stories emerging from those homes have shaken the nation not only for their horror, but for undermining the view the Spanish had of themselves. El Pace, the country's leading newspaper, wrote an editorial as follows. And I apologize, I've had to get Google Translate to translate this. The situation that the military emergency unit has encountered in its work of disinfecting and providing health support to nursing homes has uncovered absolutely unacceptable situations. The presence of abandoned elderly people in deplorable sanitary conditions and uncollected corpses indicates that these institutions have been completely overwhelmed, leaving many residents defenseless. It is difficult to assess how much of this management is due to an inevitable overflow, the result of the impact of the epidemic among caregivers, and how much due to malpractice or serious structural deficiencies. The order of the Ministry of Health, which empowers the autonomous communities to take control of these centres, is fully justified and must be applied with all rigour. But it's not enough. This crisis has uncovered something of which we already had indications and which calls into question the entire model of care management for the elderly. Some reports already warned that staffing levels were in many cases insufficient for quality care. Other reports warned of the abusive use of medications to keep residents in a state of lethargy and thus make up for the lack of caregivers. Recognising the great effort that many workers make these days, exposed as they are due to a lack of protection and from the many examples of sacrifice and self-denial that we have known, it is evident that what is now emerging is a bitter black hole in our welfare state. 
As soon as we can overcome the situation of exceptionality in which the priority is to divert resources and personnel to the residences, the management model we have will have to be reviewed with the utmost rigor if the current level of financing is sufficient and if the concerts with private entities, many for profit and public controls guarantee the quality care that the elderly need. We don't know how many people in nursing homes are dying in Europe at the moment. In Italy, authorities have conceded that their coronavirus death toll does not include those who had died at home or in nursing homes. The numbers are limited to deaths in hospitals. Similarly, in France, officials have also said that those who died in hospitals were the only ones recorded as pandemic-related, a practice they said would have to change in the coming days. We may not know how many are dying, but we do know this. When coronavirus enters a home, it spreads and it's deadly. Last week, a French organization representing nursing homes warned their health minister that coronavirus could kill as many as 100,000 people in France in homes, given the current state of the homes. Let's make this clear. The reason why we need a complete as possible lockdown in residential aged care facilities in Australia is this. We do not have the confidence here to take any chances. Our system is already struggling with quality of care. And even in countries with a high level of regard for the elderly, and with what Bloomberg considers the world's healthiest nation, all reports are suggesting right now that aged care is falling, and falling fast and hard to coronavirus. Locking down is going to be hard. We know that. We know there will be sacrifices. But the first and most important defense we have for the aged care population is to lock down as hard as possible and to lock down now. You're listening to the Prof. Joe COVID-19 Aged Care Podcast.